Welcome back to your Daily Dose. It's me, your old pal, Nick. When Bob and I get together on the microphones, the conversation can go anywhere. But as you'll experience in this episode, it's always a very natural transition from, say, how we can fix the education system in America to children being gullible enough to believe in magic to Bob's trip to Africa. You'll see. I think there's a conflict of interest in grade school, middle school, high school, where teachers are judged to some extent by the grades of their students. Then those oh, students that fail out. And, and the thing is, it's, it's not good accountability there. I think the way they should work it is that they should be judged based on, uh, the teacher should be judged based on the first grade they get in the next grade. So, okay, you don't get to oh, assign. Oh, so prepping them yeah. for the, yeah. So, so you, my, the third grade teacher, the first series of tests they give should be a judgment of the second grade teacher's performance. But that's, I mean, that's the FCAT or whatever they use now. Like the yeah. end of the year, did you learn all this stuff? And then what happens is then the teachers are only teaching towards the test. Yeah, you're right. I, I disagree with myself. Look, I mean, here's the thing about, uh, education and a lot of other things like shopping, right? Like modern day shopping is less than, and if you, even if you don't count the internet, it's less than a hundred years old. Yeah, the way we yeah. have the education system set up hasn't been around that long, like the institutions of it and the department of education and stuff like that. Like yeah. we haven't been doing this stuff that long. It wasn't that long ago that children were expected to work instead of going to school. Yeah, so we need more time. We yeah. need more time to work it out and figure out how to. We need to try more new stuff and not say that okay, standardized testing, because we somehow ended up at standardized testing is the way we've done it for forty years. So it's got to be the right way. Well, it's a one size fits all solution, right? Yeah. I have to tell you, I did a lot of volunteering in the schools during the FCAT days, largely because teachers and students were freaking out. And yeah. I used to, I used to go in. I had this long, flat cat stuffed animal and I could form it with this little pause into the shape of an F and I would get in front of an audience of kids and I go why is everyone so afraid of F cat this is F cat and I pull out this little flat cat and I make him into the shape of an F and I'd say you know what F cat stands for right it's frightening children and teachers because that's all this thing does and so I was going and making fun of F cat and making light of it but also saying all you have to do is do a little bit of study and prep and get that sucker done and then move on with your lives. And then I'd give them some fun and some exercises and just get them to lighten up. And I would do this just before the FCAT, yeah. you know, before they actually had to take the test. And so I became in high demand at Redbug Elementary and at Rainbow Elementary and Keith. I'd go around with my little FCAT show. Uh, and it was just fun like little that, thing. Taking a little tension out of it and all that. Yeah, it was, yeah. I used to teach junior achievement. That's how these schools knew me in the first place because as my kids progressed through the grades, I would, when they're in first grade, I teach first grade junior achievement. When they're in second, I teach second grade. Sometimes it ended up in their classes. Sometimes it ended up in different schools altogether. But it was keeping me in touch with the grades that my kids were in. Yeah. Uh, fourth grade was the best and the worst. The best because fourth graders have the most fertile minds. They are, they are open to new ideas. They have a great sense of fun. But fourth graders are just starting to realize each other in a sexual way, in a romantic way and I don't want to look stupid in front of these people way right. so all of a sudden the governors in their brains start to kick in and go well maybe I shouldn't say this or maybe I shouldn't react or maybe I shouldn't laugh at this yeah so you have to break through the hard candy coating but uh, once you get through <laughs> 
they're really super fun and really easy to fool with magic tricks still. So that's good. That's always the best. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I, I do magic really well in front of little kids and drunk people. That's my range. That's your audience. Yeah, that's I what it, it takes. But don't, you don't do magic in front of angry drunk people. Oh, no. Okay. I don't because do whether you fool them or you don't, you're in for trouble. Yeah. You know. Or like people who believe uh, that magic is witchcraft. <laughs> That's also bad. <laughs> I told you about that, right? In Africa. Because you make it burned. I, I was in Africa. I brought a couple of little light up thumb tips. They're fun. They're called delights. You know, it looks like you're throwing oh, yeah. colored light. And I pull them out in a rock village. A rock. That's how they pronounce it. Uh, we've just been treated to a little demonstration and some corn that they cooked. And I see a mother and two little kids out by the side of the hut. And so I go up to the little kid thinking I'm going to entertain him with a little bit of fun. And you could have seen the horror on this kid's face when I brought light to my fingertip and then passed it to my other fingertip. He literally scurried over to his mother fast. And his mother looked at me. Her eyes were like dish sauces. She grabs the other kid and scoops them up and goes and walks in a distant hut like to get away from me. That's when I realized don't do magic in Africa. Maybe Bob. not. Well, Maybe one of my not. guides, whose name was Prosper, he's a big, big man with a really cool safari hat. He sees me doing the trick and he says, is this magic? And I said, it's not really. And I showed him the thumb tips and he said, oh, you'll be giving me those before you leave. And he didn't mean you have to give them to me. He meant like, I want them. You'll oh, give them yeah. to me, right? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I won't. And I left, little did I know, before the end of that trip, Prosper had my thumb tips. Nice. And he was, I, one of my joyful moments is as I'm literally driving away from Prosper and the other guides, I see him walk up to one of the housemaids from one of the restaurants and pull out the little magic light and watch it go shock. And I was like, oh, that was such a moment just to see him take my magic and use it in front of somebody else. You know, so I don't know. They probably killed him later for that magic. But. Probably. <laughs> it's the only way to get the magic out of somebody else. You have to drain him. I know. Hey gang, it's Bob. The more I travel, the more I learn about the people of this planet and about myself. I make a lot of mistakes along the way. All of them survivable, the best of them packed with lessons. It helps to have a good travel mate, and I have the best. My patty leads with love. When we were planning our trip to Tanzania, she insisted on learning the phrase, you are beautiful in Swahili, because she wanted to be able to express that feeling to a stranger. With good karma like that, I can make a lot of goof ups and still have some room to grow. That does it for this episode of Your Daily Dose. We'll catch you next time.